Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. Hi, I'm Colin Ellis, and this is On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. And this week's doc tells a story that, I should tell you up front, gets into some very difficult stuff. Childhood sexual abuse. You may have heard stories about the Catholic Church sex abuse scandals in Ireland or the U.S. and how they've been covered up. Filmmaker Matt Gallagher's documentary tells the story of this happening a little closer to home here in Ontario. Hello, my name's Rob Talek. I represent the plaintiff. There were 17 individuals and you pled guilty to abuse. Yes. William Hodgson Marshall was a priest with the Basilian Order in Toronto. The Order is a community of Catholic priests with a long history in Canada. In 2011, Marshall pled guilty to multiple counts of indecent assault against 16 boys and one woman. He served 16 months in prison and died in 2014 at the age of 92. Gallagher's documentary is called Prey, and it's about what happened after Marshall was convicted. There wasn't any argument about what he'd done. It's about what happened when one of his victims took the Bazillion order to court over their financial settlement. You will be tasked at the end of this case with determining the level of financial compensation that Rod will receive. Where will this money come from? It will come from the Bazillion fathers. Let's take some of that money they've amassed and put it back where it really belongs, into the hands of a victim of Father Marshall, Mr. Rod McLeod. Gallagher's doc follows McLeod during the trial. It also looks at the lives of other victims, including Patrick McMahon, who is the first to report Marshall to police. Prey is a powerful story, even picked up awards at this year's Hot Docs International Documentary Festival. Earlier this fall, CBO screened Prey at the Ted Rogers Hot Docs Cinema in Toronto and had Gallagher, McLeod, McMahon, and me up on stage to discuss the film. We talked about healing, how the Catholic Church can change, and how one puts a price tag on a history of abuse. All that and more coming up. Matt, how long have you wanted to make this doc? Uh, this has been a long time in the making. This is, I, I mean, I've been thinking about it for 10 or 15 years. Uh, you know, I, I, I grew up an altar boy in, in Windsor, Ontario, and Patrick uh, was a family childhood friend. Um, and uh, so Patrick's story started to come out around 2010, and I, and I knew, of, you know, I'd lost touch with Patrick. We hadn't spoken in 35 years. But finally, I, I reached out to him, uh, I, I guess, a little more than a year ago. And as soon as I reached out to him, we reconnected and he told me the story. And I thought uh, his story uh, was important, but I, I, I thought his story was finished. I mean, he, Patrick was the first man to, to uh, lay a charge against this priest, and it started up an uh, avalanche. He got the priest convicted. The priest went to jail. The priest died. Patrick did his own successful civil suit, and I thought Patrick's story was done, but Patrick said, there's this whole other side of things that's going on with this civil actions. These, these civil actions are ongoing. So he introduced me to Rod McLeod and the priest hunter lawyer, and as soon as that happened, the film happened 
very quickly. Within 12 months, we, you know, I had met Rod and the film was done. So, Any apprehension about uh, doing a subject like this, especially because it's the Catholic Church as well? I mean, not for me personally. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I just didn't know how to tell it, and that's why it took so long for me to figure it out. Rod, having a doc made while you're getting to ready to do a trial are two very public versions of telling your story, and I wonder if how difficult that was for you. Well, um, when I went into the idea of, of a, a trial, the reason that I went into it was to, um, to lift the veil of secrecy. Um, for so many years, decades and decades, and, and probably much, much longer than that, the church has been able to get away with what they do. And uh, the way they've been able to get away with it is nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to, to, to say, this is, this is what's going on. So uh, that was my purpose in going for the trial. And then when Matt suddenly showed up, uh, just before the trial, I, I felt that was like a divine intervention. You know, he, Here was the megaphone that I needed in order to uh, spread the word and, and lift that veil even higher. How did you build trust with Rod and Patrick? Matt? Well, I mean, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I mean, with, with, with Patrick, we had a bit of history and and uh, with uh, Rod and his lawyer, uh, uh, Rob Talek, it, it, it took a bit. But I think, you know, there are so many ways that this documentary should not have happened. There are, uh, Patrick could have said no, Rod could have said no, the Rob Talek lawyer could have said no, the, 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 the spokesperson for the priest could have said no, but I, I don't know, I, I, I think there was a timing thing where all of a sudden people wanted to talk about this. And, and so I think uh, uh, we got a little lucky and uh, we got a little lucky to tell these guys' story at the right time. Patrick, is the Catholic Church's legacy of abuse in Canada widely known? I don't believe that the, uh, the full extent of the abuse is really understood by the, the average Canadian, so to speak. I think the Church has uh, waged an effective uh, PR campaign and continues to wage it to keep this uh, fairly quiet. They understand that it will pop up here and there in the media, and then they hope that it'll just quickly fade away. And what they try and portray is that it's a historical issue. And what I want people to understand is that it is a historical issue. It's a historical issue right through today. And next week, it will be still be historical. This is not something just in the past. It's, it's going on today. I have victims who come to me uh, because I'm seen as an advocate, and they're uh, going to the church today and still being disbelieved. There are still victims of the man who abused me out there. They're hiding in the shadows, still afraid to come forward. The church is not reaching out to them. The church is spending their efforts uh, appealing verdicts. What, 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 let me ask a follow-up. What uh, kind of support do you offer uh, victims who come to you? Well, I, I um, 
deal with that in two ways, I suppose I could say. I, I'm part of a group called SNAP, which is uh, a support network of those abused by priests. And uh, anyone who wishes to come out and uh, meet with us, we're just a group of peers, not professional counselors in any way, uh, that is available. And I, I have also had people just reach out to me privately and say, could, uh, we, could we go out for a coffee? And uh, that often ends up like my first conversation with Matt being a four and a half hour discussion. Um, and I don't have answers for these people, but one thing you understand as a victim when you meet other victims is the opportunity to be heard, whether by one person or 1,000, is of critical importance to each victim. We, we all have similar stories. We all have different stories in many ways. But the need to be heard is shared by all. Matt, are these stories well covered in Canada? Like by the media? I mean, no, I, I, I don't think they are. I mean, there, there are... I've, I spent a year doing these stories and, uh, you know... Sad to say, there's no shortage of these stories. Uh, there's a lot of stories that you know these people don't, you know, you know, the public doesn't know about. So I, I think that there are many, many more stories to tell here. Rod Patrick asked a question uh, in the film. Uh, he asked why the church fights victims. Um, do you have an answer to that? When I uh, started out on this journey, well, because you know, like. Patrick and Matt and so many people. I was brought up in the Catholic uh, Church, and uh, so I was taught to revere priests and bishops and and so on. And so uh, it took me a very long time to get out from under that uh, ideology. Um, but I, I've now come to realize that the hierarchy of the church really have no interest whatsoever in solving the problem of sexual abuse. Their only interest is to maintain their power and privilege and wealth. And uh, I don't know if you see it, but I've seen this documentary quite a few times, and what I see is an incredible smugness that comes through. And the smugness is, is real because for so many decades, and probably much longer, they've gotten away with this. So they think, oh, somebody's causing a, a ruckus. Oh, it'll just blow over, as it always has blown over for so many, many, many years. Uh, Matt, Rod went ahead with a, a, a public trial for his case. What typically happens to victims who want to sue the church? Well, they settle. And, and they settle because it's, it's very difficult and the church puts them through uh, four, five, six years of questions and depositions and pain and these people are forced to relive the trauma in front of church lawyers and the church does not make it easy. Their lawyers don't make it easy. So, um, you know, uh, Rob Talek, the lawyer, told me that that uh, these trials are as rare as a unicorn, no, a Sasquatch riding a unicorn. Uh, and so, so when when Rod's case went to trial, and Rod Rod was, uh, you know, fully intentioned to go to trial, um, 
I, I thought that that would be a good story to film. Rod's, Rod's case could have settled at, at the $650,000 offer, the $1 million offer, uh, but it didn't. Uh, he was determined to take it to trial. So I, I, I uh, you know, uh, once again, uh, I got a little lucky with the documentary. So, <laughs> Rod, um, I really admire determination. I, I wonder, were you ever tempted to just take the money? Or I know you said it wasn't really about money in the film, but was that, did it ever cross your mind to just take the money and settle? Well, um, as I say, right from the beginning, it, it, for me, it wasn't about the money. If I was doing this for the money, then I would have been sorely tempted. I mean, who, who wouldn't be, be to, to be able to be done with it and not have to bear your soul and all the rest of it and just walk away with, uh, you know, a very significant sum of money? Um, but that just wasn't my goal. I, you know, I, I'll be 70 in, in, in a couple of months, and... Uh, you know, uh, money doesn't mean that much when you're, uh, when you're my age, I, I don't find. You know, I, I don't have the appetites I used to have when I was in 20s and 30s. And, uh, you know, I can't drink as much. I can't eat as much. So what, what am I going to do with a whole bunch of money, you know? So, um, uh, no, my goal was always on, uh, on trying to expose this uh, problem and, and hopefully find a, a solution to, to stop it. Patrick, you chose to settle, and was that a difficult decision? Uh, it was a very difficult decision for me, and uh, it honestly continues to be a difficult decision to this day. Uh, the telling thing for me was that uh, it's burned in my memory. I'm sitting in a boardroom, and uh, Rob Talek was also my lawyer, and I'm saying to him, I don't care about this figure. I want the people to know. I want the people to know that the Bazillions knew he was a child molester before they ordained him. And I was assured by Mr. Talek that someone was going to go to trial and all of this would come out and I would be able to stand on the courthouse steps and make sure all of this was, was known. Uh, I think he got a little lucky that I brought Matt to him and, and it ended up being the case that we all had this opportunity to lay out the truth. So that was a big part of m my decision to settle. Uh, I have a young family and as we've said, they'll drag this out for years and years. So uh, I finished, I put it behind me with the belief that my truest mission of, of holding the resilience accountable would, would still be able to happen. Uh, it happened in a way I didn't expect, but um, for me, settling uh, put that portion behind me, and uh, we still kind of accomplished the objectives, I guess. I want to ask you about uh, Rob Talek, uh, the lawyer in the film. Um, he's represented many victims who don't go to trial. What drives him to do this? Um, man, that's a that's a big question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, 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 you know, I've interviewed many lawyers and I've done a lot of stories on lawyers, and he's not one of the guys who is looking for the big paycheck. I mean, if he was looking for the big paycheck, I don't think he would be uh, doing this type of work because uh, I think this type of work is scarring it's 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 you know i mean 
I've only been involved in it for a year, and, and it's, 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 it's hard to do. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like for Rob Talek or the survivors. Um, but I think, I think Rob's heart is in the right place. I think he gets, I think Rob gets paid very well for what he does because the church makes it a business for him. Um, you know, but, uh, I think Rob's heart is in the right place. And Father Katolsky, what could you say about him, Matt? Like, what, what is his job like? And I guess, what do you think of him? What he has to say? I mean, um, I, I mean, I approached Father Katolsky because I saw him in court and I sat behind him for three weeks and I didn't know who he was. And, and it's easy to, to dislike the person that he represents. I mean, it's, 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 it's easy to hate a monster and he's fighting against the, the, the like victims. And so that's easy to hate, but I reached out to him, uh, the producer, Cornelia Principe and myself, we sat down and we had several meetings with him off camera and I wanted to interview him and I knew he didn't want to be interviewed because why would he want to be interviewed about this? But I thought to myself that he's a, you know, he's, he's probably, uh, you know, he probably went into the seminary having no idea that he was going to be the, the, the money man for the bazillion. I mean, that's all he does. He deals with victims and survivors and, and goes to court and writes checks and and I said to him, I I I I'd like you to tell your side of the story, and 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 he was, you know, and he sat down, um, and I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and and uh, and did he have a lawyer present the whole time? <laughs> that was actually a fellow priest who who uh, who was sitting in on the interview, and and uh, yeah, he he spoke up at the very end, and yeah, it was, it, I mean. It's a very, I mean, how do you defend the indefensible? I, 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 I you know, uh, I went into it with an open mind and, and, and my, my opinion on what him and his colleagues do has changed dramatically since, since we finished this film. Patrick, I'm wondering what you thought of Father Katolsky in the film. I have uh, pretty definitive thoughts on... Katolsky, um, and I'll sum them up in, in this way. Uh, I met with him and their attorney, Susan Metzler, when I was doing my mediation. And one of the first things I was told was that the other side wanted me to come over to their, uh, we're in separate boardrooms, they wanted me to come over and uh, receive an apology. I wasn't much in the mood for an apology, but I uh, was raised pretty politely. I think I, I continue that, so I said, fine, I'll, I'll go over and receive their apology. And to, to sum up the apology I received from Katolsky, it was along the lines of, we're very sorry this happened to you. And I always use the analogy, if, if I'm walking down the street when I leave here tonight and someone gets hit by a car, I'm going to be very sorry that they got hit by a car. That's, that's tragic. It's not my fault. I had nothing to do with it. So that was their apology to me. We're very sorry that you were abused by Marshall. No apology for we're sorry for what we did. We're sorry that he was abusing children, classmates of your father, and 40 years later he was abusing you because we did nothing about it. That's the apology I'm looking for. And Katolsky 
should know enough that that's the apology he should be giving. So, Rod, we learned at the end of the film that the Bazillion Order is going to appeal your win. So what comes next? Well, on the 6th of September, the appeal was heard at the Ontario Appeal Court. Three judges sat and listened uh, to the appeal. Now, the uh, other side have requested a new trial uh, in order to uh, change the outcome, obviously. Um, and, of course, my lawyers uh, made a very strong argument, I felt, that uh, there should be no change whatsoever to uh, what this jury did. The jury was very, um, uh, very thorough in, in how they wrote their uh, decisions. You know, when it came to uh, punitive damages, punitive damages are not something that is automatic. It's very unusual to have punitive damages awarded. And so they listed in a very small piece of paper all the reasons why they thought that punitive damages should apply in this case. They said, because of the, the, the soft shoe shuffle where they kept moving him, they said because of, of their failure to go into the community and to, to um, uh, look for, for victims and, and try to, to assist them. Uh, and the incredible length of time that this went on with no changes, and the fact that they failed to follow their own um, uh, supposedly new um, guidelines uh, in, in 1991. So uh, to have this appealed was uh, a very uh, unfortunate event. We have to wrap up our conversation in a bit, but uh, maybe I could get all three of you to answer this last question. Um, what are some things that the Catholic Church can do to prevent this system of abuse from happening? Maybe, Matt, you could start us off. I, you know, I, I've been asked that, and I don't know. Um, so I'm going to pass it to these guys who have more experience in talking about that. I, I've been asked this question a few times, and I've, I've had different answers but I read a letter in the, the newspaper in Cornwall this week uh, because all the bishops are gathering there, and the letter was from some bishop I haven't heard of, but he was saying there, there's an appearance that we're not doing anything about this, and we have uh, regulations and policies, and we've formed a committee, etc., etc., and anybody who's been abused or know of any abuse should be calling us immediately, calling this committee. And I, I feel like... I'd like to meet this bishop and say, I, I don't know somebody who's, who's abused a child, but I do know a couple murderers. I, I wanted to tell you about them. I was going to call the police, but hey, you, you say just call you guys. So um, what can they do about it? They can stop deciding to investigate themselves. If a crime was committed, we suggest you call the police. That's what the church needs to say. If you want to call us and talk about recovering your faith, um, sure, by all means, call a priest. But when a crime's committed, call the police. I think that's a really great place to leave it. And uh, I just want to thank you, Matt, for making this very important film. And Rod and uh, Patrick, thank you so much for your bravery and for uh, telling us your stories tonight. And uh, thank you, everyone, for coming.
We have an update to this story. The bazillion fathers of Toronto lost their appeal and will have to pay Rod McLeod over $2.6 million in damages. And that's the podcast. Prey premieres November 19th on broadcast and on TVO.org. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and better yet, tell a friend. Let us know what you think of the film and this episode by writing to us at ondocs at TVO.org. And follow me on Twitter at ColinEllis81. Thanks to producers Chantel Berganza and Matthew O'Mara, and production support coordinators Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hallowell. Kathy Vay is executive producer for Digital. We'll catch you at the next screening.